Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are in the fourth part of a series that we've called Paper Planes. And so we actually have a series t-shirt that's available. And so we've been very excited about this series. I've looked forward to it to a long time. And I really appreciate the feedback that I'm getting from a lot of y'all that y'all have enjoyed and are engaged with this. And the concept behind Paper Planes is of, of letting God shape our lives. And then if we will, we'll be, He'll shape us to truly soar. And so if you've got your version app open, you've got your bulletin we handed you, let's go ahead and get into our notes. And we've looked at this concept over and again, that to truly move forward in God, we must let Him shape our lives. And we've shifted and looked at this passage of Scripture. We're looking at it from the message translation. For those of you who are Bible scholars and said, oh my goodness, this guy's preaching out of the message translation, I recognize that the message translation is not my study translation. And so I, I study a, 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 uh, a other translations. But sometimes we need to get one that's kind of a paraphrase that helps us to grab the ideas because there are familiar passages of Scripture that we can get too familiar with. And we go, oh yeah, I know what that's talking about. Oh yeah, I know what that means. And we can kind of sometimes skip over some of the depth that may be there. So we're looking at the message translation to kind of interrupt that thought flow and look at it from a fresh angle. And Romans 8.28 in the message translation says, That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He, shaped, he decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son, the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. And we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. A number of our small groups are, are going along and, and doing a, re, a sermon reflection. There's the, kind of go through these and personalize it and talk about it. And in those small groups, they've, they've discussed over and again what this means and how exciting it can be to see Jesus and to read the Gospels and not just see this amazing, amazing Jesus far off and mystical and do, doing, having done something amazing for us, but now see that that is the, the model and the shape for what the Holy Spirit is wanting to grow us into. That he is wanting to grow us along the lines of Jesus. That Jesus stands first in humanity restored. And we can look and, and get an idea of what God is doing in our lives when we read and we study what God had revealed through his son. It is, a, it is absolutely exciting. And, and I want us to see that being shaped by following Christ means not being shaped by the opinion of others. Man, I tell you what, this can be one of the biggest struggles there are. Our culture, the subcultures of our culture, all have opinions, all have ways, all have, all have norms and ways of doing things. And then we look at the scriptures and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives as Christ followers. And then we, over and again, we hit a place of tension. Where God and the scriptures are, are leading us in one direction and culture is leading us 
in a different direction. And then there are those who are blissfully clueless that God maybe want, has a better way of life. And that all of a sudden other things become cultural norms and, and, and things. And we hit a place of tension. And it's in that place of tension that you and I make the decision of whether or not we're going to let God really reign and rule in our lives. We spent a whole series looking at playing in God's reign and enjoying God's reign. But it's this tension between the opinions of others and what God has to say. Where all of a sudden, that man, that things begin to, to clash and become difficult. And man, other people's opinions can shape us. They can shape us so much. And, and I ran into a, a, a major stark reality of this early on when I was youth pastor. Um, see, now, when I was in elementary school there in Odessa, Texas, going to Goliad Elementary. And um, anyways, there was uh, one day out on the playground. Um, I was not very nice to a young lady. And uh, does anybody remember when lunch boxes were made out of metal? Man, they now have these kinder, gentler, squishy lunch boxes, you know, that have all the insulation in them. You can't beat anybody up with a new lunch box. But those old school metal lunch box, you can hurt somebody. And uh, so um, I, I was, uh, I, I did something I shouldn't have done, and I gave this, this girl ahead of me. Uh, a goose, uh, a pinched her hiney. Uh, it was inappropriate and wrong, and as a father of four girls, I was like, this young lady knew how to handle it. Her daddy taught her right, and she had a metal lunchbox. And she turned around, she bust me in the face. And this tooth is fake, because she busted my tooth. And uh, that's right, that's, that's the right response to that. Young ladies... That's the right response. And so that, that's the place where I advocate violence. <laughs> violence comes against you on that front. You bring it multiple times over. She grabs something metal and busts them in the face. And so, and, um, but anyways, and, uh, but I had this, this, this tooth is fake. And um, anyway, so when I was youth pastoring, I, my first job in ministry, I was the janitor slash youth pastor. And that was what I did. And I, I cleaned a, a Christian school and the church buildings. And a bunch of my youth who were in this building now remember me going around with um, a bunch of trash bags hanging out of my back pocket. And going and picking up the trash and talking to the teens and, and making connections and all that. And, and even though I was the janitor slash youth pastor, they all treated me and, as I was a pastor. And so I was a pastor and I just happened to be the guy that mopped the floors and cleaned the toilets and carry out the trash and all those different things. Um, well, does it, anybody also remember uh, Astro Pops? Those nice green and clear and... And red, super sticky Astro Pops. Well, I was eating an Astro Pop and had to do something else with both hands, and I just gently stuck it between my teeth. Well, it just sunk in there and then it was stuck. So I popped and my, my bottom teeth came loose and it was just stuck to my top teeth. And so I grabbed the stick and I yanked. And when I did, there was my tooth. In the Astro Pop. And anyways, and so we didn't have dental insurance. We didn't have any extra money. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to be, you know, missing a tooth for a little while. 
And, um, you know, Cutie was much, her, she was ready to have her full, all her toothed husband back. And, um, but it was just, it's just going to take a little while. So, man, I'm sitting there and, and I just, I forget about it, you know. And it was crazy to me that there were people that I knew. These are people that I worked with and, and did life with and all of that. That somehow my perceived IQ dropped about 25 points. <laughs> and all of a sudden, people started treating me different because I was missing some dental work. And all of a sudden, the way I looked began to taint the way they thought about me. I never dealt with that ever in my life. I'd always been treated and, and rounded up on and, and, and told that I was intelligent and all these different things. I came to ASU on a full-ride academic scholarship, and now all of a sudden people are talking slow to me. <laughs> I'm like, what is the problem? I'm following you. I'm tracking with what you're saying here. You don't have to do that. But I just, sadly, there are people that all of a sudden, and then that began to weigh on me. All of a sudden, the way other people were treating me began to weigh on me. And praise God, I got my tooth fixed, and... And uh, an awesome Christian dentist in town gave me a great deal and put me back together. And all of a sudden, I was smart again. <laughs> but man, I tell you what. I tell you what, man. Man, if you are in this room and you've had to, to live. I had it for about a month and a half. And you've had to live with people making decisions about you without ever knowing you. With people shaping what their expectations of you, what they're going to allow you and not allow you to do, what, what, what they're going to trust you for and not trust you for by making some decision based on something on the outside or maybe something that they had heard about or all these different things. And now all of a sudden there's this, these other oppressive things coming in and trying to shape you and you know that there's something bigger on the inside of you and God's doing something and other people can't seem to see it. Folks, I'm telling you, we have to grab a hold of who God says we are. And sometimes well-meaning people inadvertently begin to put all of this mess on us. These were people that loved me. It was a subconscious thing that was taking place. Nobody meant to do it. And I had a place that I could either grab a hold of, of who, I, who I knew God was carrying me forward to be, or I could begin to be altered by the opinions of others. See, we talked about over and over again of letting God, letting God shape us along the lines. And we've talked about this every week. You know, God begins, we let Him shape us, and He puts a line, folds us along that line. Then we continue to stay in his hands and he folds us and keeps putting us along the lines of the image of his son. And then we begin to see some trajectory and begin to see that God's really doing something here. And, and God's carrying us somewhere and, and something's happening. But I want us to look at the dangers. The dangers of the opinions of others and I want to look at a word that we don't hardly ever use and that's the word opinion 
We don't hardly ever use the word pinion. Pinion, if those of you who are into animals and stuff, a pinion is, can either be the, the long flight feathers off of a bird. In fact, here we see it's the wing of a bird, the outer rear edge of the wing. We even see in the, in the scriptures there in Ezekiel 17.3 that <clears throat> thus says the Lord, a great eagle with great wings and long pinions, rich in plumage of many colors, came to Lebanon and took the top of the cedar. So here's this thing, it's associated with flight, and since we don't use the word pinion very often, we don't use the word pinioned very often either. Some of you may associate it with the idea of being pinned down or whatnot, but the first thing is to remove or bind the wings or feathers of a bird to be able to prevent flight. And so as we're looking at a, dealing with opinions, then we've subtitled this message, Unpinioned. Because the problem with opinions is if we let other people's opinions weigh he heavier than what God says about us, then what will end up happening is those opinions will pinion us. And they'll clip our wings. They will come in. And they will clip our wings. And what God had intended to do and was at work in our lives, all of a sudden the opinions of others come in and try to cut that very thing out. We want to make sure that we are not pinioned by other people's opinions. Let's look at Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of human opinion disables trusting in God protects you from that. That's why we talk all the time about knowing God better and trusting Him more. When we grow in knowing Him, spending time with God, that's why we spend time in His Word, not to just click something off our little Christian checklist. We spend time in prayer, not just spewing all the stuff that's frustrated us, and God wants you to bring your frustrations to Him. Our hit list of things we need in life, and God wants us to bring those things to Him but also in a place of prayer of, of listening, of leaning in and, and listening to God and, and allowing His Spirit to begin to, to speak to us and guide us and direct us. And as we begin to know Him and trust Him, then all of a sudden we begin to realize that what He has to say about the matter means more than what anybody else has to say. Galatians 1.10 Paul writes and says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. There's this place of, of tension between the two. Now, it's not, a lot of y'all have heard of the five love languages. And, and my number one love language is, uh, is, is words of affirmation. And so... Man, somebody says, you know, Brandon, you're doing a great job, or gives me some sort of words of affirmation, just makes me feel good and loved. Well, here's the problem with being words of affirmation, is, is that people compliment you or give you good things when they agree with what you're doing. So I can easily find myself leaning into other people's agreement so I can get my little love tank filled up. 
that all of a sudden other people's opinions now begin to, to come in and I begin to care about their opinions because all of a sudden their disapproval, it hurts me a little deeper because I'm a, I'm a words of affirmation guy. And all of a sudden when, they're all, when everything's in alignment, man, it makes me feel a little better, makes me feel loved and cared for and my love tank full. And I have to be super, super watchful. Because as much as I do care about your opinion, as a pastor, I have to care about God's opinion the most. I have to care about what He has to say. I have to care about the direction He has for Celebration Church and for the ministry and all of those different things. And, and sometimes that doesn't align with what some of you guys think. And all of a sudden, man, I have to lean real hard into these things. So please know that as I am talking to you about these things, I'm not immune to this any more than you are. This is something I have to walk in and trust God in every day because the enemy would want to come in and begin to take these places of disapproval and other human opinion and get things off track. And we have to trust God. So we can, don't be shaped by what other people think of you. 1 Corinthians 4.3 says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I did not even judge myself. The message translation puts it this way. It matters very little me, to me, <clears throat> very little to me, what you think of me. Even less where I rank in popular opinion. I don't even rank myself. Comparison in these matters is pointless. And it's not in your bulletin, but it should be on the screen. James 2.1. James writes, my dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out your glorious Christ-originated faith. Oh my goodness, man, I'm telling you, there's so many places that if we let the opinions and the weight of others begin to come in, it will pinion us and clip our wings every time. We get moving forward with God, we get going with God, we begin to, to let Him really have influence and shape in our lives, and all of a sudden, and sometimes it's not just the weight of those on the outside of Christ followers. Sometimes it's the weight of those who are Christ followers, who all of a sudden want to come in and take their thoughts of your walk with God and begin to critique it. But I tell you what, we hold to the ideal. And I say hold to the ideal because I'm going to tell you what I'm about to say is tough to live. It is really hard to live. But we hold to the ideal at Celebration Church that we are going to be radically patient with one another. And we're going to give one another plenty of room to let God's opinion be the big opinion in the room. And we're going to put our own opinion second. And so when there are places where maybe the way you're following God and the way somebody else is following God begins to rub, we are going to choose to give each other some room to be able to make this thing happen. Because the problem is, is all of a sudden we begin to critique one another's Walk with God. And then now that person may be caught between your opinion and God's opinion. And then all of a sudden now there's tension. And we have to choose, choose, choose to let God be Lord every time. 2 Corinthians 5, 7-9 says, We live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him. 
whether we're at home in the body or away from it. We make our goal to please God. Now, all of a sudden, if you're new here, don't understand that we understand the grace and the fullness of God, all of a sudden you're going to think, oh, man, this is where it begins to get heavy. Is now we've got to get into all these things to, to please God and, and all these little check marks and do's and don'ts. Mm. We're going to get into that in just a second. There in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, Paul says, On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. So we have to choose to be a God pleaser and not a people pleaser. The truth is, is you're going to, you're going to choose to please somebody. You're either going to try to please yourself, and then you end up a completely selfish individual. Or you're going to try to, to, to please everyone around you, and you're going to end up a completely frustrated individual. Or you can try to choose to, to please the one who gave himself up for you, and loves you, and knows what's best. And then that's when we can step into a place of true freedom and real life. Let's go ahead and look at Colossians 1, 9 through 14. It's a longer passage, but it's got some richness here. Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. He's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge, knowing God's will, what God's thought, what God's wanting in that situation. With the knowledge of his will, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now, all of a sudden, that can start to be that big, weighty, you got to do everything just right. You got to check, check all the boxes, make, make the man upstairs happy. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I want you to pay attention to this. Verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. How are we living this out? It's God's power, God's strength at work in us. It's not us over here jumping up saying, God, I can do it. I can make you happy. I can do all this. You sit over there in your little God throne, and I'm going to put on my little Christian show, and I'm going to put a little smile on your face, God. I can show you I can do it. No. It's inviting him in and letting him work in and through us. That's how, it, that's how this thing is lived. Not us doing some place of performance for God, but us saying, God, you're the one I want to please, and therefore I'll let you work in me. It goes on to say, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He's the one who's qualified you. You didn't qualify yourself. You didn't go out there and run the race just right and make the qualifier. And now you can go to the next level. He qualified you. He's the one who did it. He's the one in Christ reconciling us to himself. He's the one that did it. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. See folks, it is so easy for us to try to just 
turn pleasing God, pleasing someone, into trying to get their, their, their list that they need. Well, I tell you what, I, I, uh, as, a, as a guy, I think a lot of guys, people, um, we can get really involved in our work. And um, it's one of those things I still battle, and, and uh, you know, I let cutie really voice into me if I'm getting too wrapped up in work. And, um, but it's really tougher when, when work is God work, kingdom work. And years ago, um, I, I, was just, I was just way too wrapped up in, in ministry and work and was not being as active of a husband and a father as I should have been. And Cutie and I had had a lot of conversations along this line, and, um, you know, and, and I just keep slipping back into old patterns, you know, and I'd just spend way too many hours away and doing stuff that was all good, but it wasn't what, was, what God was directing necessarily. And so we had a conversation, and, and she was just frustrated, and I was frustrated, and so I just had this moment, and I'm like, you know what, I, this is what I'm going to do. So I went and I, and I wrote this list. And I wrote this list and I said, these are the things I'm going to do. Talking about things I'm going to pay attention to or I'm going to do all these different things. And then I had a list of things I wasn't going to do. I'm not going to work any more than this. I'm going to be conscious of this and all these different things. And I really felt like I'd done something good here. You know, that at least I was trying to show her I listened and I understood. Spouses, you need to try to listen and understand. When the other one's frustrated. And so I take her this list. And I take her this list and I feel like I'm doing good. Like all of a sudden now, you know, I, this is the things I'm going to do and these are the things I'm not going to do. And I'm going to be a better husband and, and be more engaged on this. And I hand her the list and I'm really kind of proud of myself. You know, I'm really kind of proud of myself. I've got this good list here. Not, in my, not the Ten Commandments, but it was like the 21 Commandments. <laughs> and uh, so I hand her the list. And she just looks at it. She looks and she goes, seriously? All those things were good. She goes, I, I just want you to think about me. I just want you to consider me. That's it. She just wanted to be written on my heart. Not on a piece of paper. Not on a stone. See, that's what God has wanted from us all along. See, we told God, people of Israel told God, God, you're, 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 you scare us, honestly. We're not going to go up on that mountain. There's fire and lightning and it's, a whole mountain is shaking and it's freaking us out. And you're inviting us to talk to you up on that mountain and we're scared. Give us some things to do and we'll do them. And that's where the Ten Commandments are presented to us. Moses brings them down. We didn't live up to those either. And the scriptures tell us that he's written the law on our hearts. You want to be a God pleaser? Don't have your little list. Consider him. Consider him. When you're making a decision, consider him. Let him be on your, on your heart. Let him be on your mind. See, we, we want that of the people we love. God wants that of us. See, what's the problem with other people's opinions is all of a sudden we're not carrying a list 
of all of what others people think. We didn't write it down. Oh, wow, that's a person's opinion. No, somehow we elevated them and we gave it a little spot in our heart. And we let it be written in our heart. And then it begins to change who we are and the way we act. So if we're going to be unpinioned, then we're going to let the Holy Spirit come in and wash that mess we've let other people write in our hearts. Try to tell us who we are and who we can't be. Try to limit us in all those different things when you serve and are part of an infinite, powerful God who loves you and gave himself up for you. And let him write on your heart. Let him lead you and guide you. See, this being a God-pleaser thing isn't about just trying to be a better Christian. It is about being fully engaged with him and who he is. See, Hebrews eleven six. as we begin to wrap this up, without faith. It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's not those who hit all the check marks. It's those who are engaged in in, in pursuing him. See, being shaped by the grace we have in Christ is the only way to be a God pleaser. Philippians 2.13 says, For God who works in you both to will and and to do his good pleasure. It's the grace of God. It's him that puts in us to will and to do his good pleasure. As soon as we begin to put him first and let him have that, that place of his opinion counts more than anybody. Man, all of a sudden things begin to line up. And then John 5.30. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus speaking. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If Jesus lived this way, don't you think us being shaped in the lines of Jesus are to live this way as well? We let God have the final word. See, our bottom line is let God unpinion you from people's opinions of you. My prayer today is that you've been able to be set free. There are a lot of you who are torn. Sadly, some of you, are you're getting tension just being a part of a church again. Just choosing to try to do things. You maybe you'll post something about checking in at church and then later on this week maybe there's some things you say some things or do some things you, you wish you hadn't have done and then somebody throws it in your face. Oh, I thought you went to that church. What would your pastor have to say about that? I'm going to tell you what your pastor has to say about it. I'll see you next Sunday. I'm glad you're coming. I'm glad you're my brother or sister in Christ. Oh my goodness, you have some struggles. Oh, I'm shocked. No. Let's God, we all get to grow in this and move in this together. We all get to grow in this because it's Him at work. We hold His opinion up. And guess what? The rest of us will find ourselves more and more and more in alignment with each other. We hold our own opinions up. We're going to be divided. We hold His opinion up and we'll be aligned with each other. Man, I tell you what, it will change everything.
See, when God does the shaping, we really can live soaring. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.